Hello, and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHO's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This episode is one of four, focusing on flagship areas for WHO Europe. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking about behavioural and cultural insights, mental health, digital health and immunisation. These flagships are priority areas for WHO Europe in the coming years. This series is about explaining why these are priorities and how they might impact the work already being done in your country. Mental health is an important part of personal health. In the WHO European region, it's estimated that more than 100 million people are living with mental health conditions. Tragically, 140,000 people lose their lives to suicide each year in our region, a stark reminder that we have much more work to do on mental health. I spoke to Dan Chisholm, Programme Manager focusing on mental health and mental disorders at WHO's regional office for Europe. He starts off by explaining why mental health is so important. Well, that's a good question, and uh, the first thing to perhaps uh, ask is, is when, when people say mental health, what are they thinking? And actually quite often when the words mental health uh, are spoken, uh, people are thinking actually mental illness, uh, which is you know, uh, obviously on a spectrum of mental health through to illness. Um, but a lot of the, the dialogue, a lot of the uh, activities relate to prevention and management of mental illness and mental health problems Um, but of course mental health is an intrinsic part of our health and and well-being and often that gets a bit kind of forgotten almost um, in the uh, in our daily lives so um, I think uh, you know the first the first point is that yes mental health is 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 obviously very important to our, our our own and collective health and well-being and um, as much that we can do to promote and protect that um, which is independent from the management let's say of mental health conditions as and when they uh, arise so trying to get that balance uh, between caring for people who have mental health problems or conditions um, and at a public health level promoting and protecting our, our mental health and of course the the, the current COVID-19 pandemic has I think uh, reminded us all of the importance of, of, of mental health everyone has been affected one way or the other whether it's stress and anxiety or you know, about becoming infected or loved ones becoming infected uh, through to uh, the stress of, of, of frontline health workers and frontline workers uh, and of course the devastating social and economic impact that we're now seeing leading to uh, mass unemployment indebtedness impoverishment and of course these all have links to to uh, to mental health uh, and mental health problems uh, as well and I mean you mentioned there a little bit about the the COVID-19 pandemic and and how that's kind of affected mental health but what what is the current status of mental health in the in the European region well even before COVID-19 it was it was pretty drastically bad Um, and uh, 
what, uh, what we can say is that um, at any one time, at least one in ten of the population uh, having a mental health condition. Um, and of course in, in emergency and, and pandemic situation that we're now in, um, the, the WHO uh, evidence suggests that these rates can go up substantially, you know, to one in five or even more. And some of the surveys that have been undertaken uh, in populations affected by COVID have shown rates of um, 35, 40 percent or even more uh, of, the of the sample population um, having um, reporting stress and anxiety. So uh, it's a huge, huge um, uh, population. So what work has WHO Europe been doing on mental health and, and what's been the impact? Well, uh, mental health actually has been a, a very long-standing program of WHO right from its sort of foundation and um, of course it's built into the very definition of health um, uh, in, in the, uh, uh, from, from back in 1948. Um, so um, the, the work that WHO does uh, of course covers the, the kind of development of normative uh, guidance and materials and development of tools for uh, assisting the uh, the management of, of mental health problems as well as uh, prevention and uh, promotion activities and of course in the regional office we are focused a lot on supporting the member states the countries in um, uh, both developing or, or updating their policies and plans as well as l laws or leg legislation is a very important area um, and, and of course service uh, developments and, and uh, a couple of particular areas of, of, of major importance uh, would be around the need to um, fo refocus away from uh, a reliance on institutional-based uh, care. Again, COVID-19 has, has shown us the, the, the challenges and problems associated with institutional care um, and move towards more community-based uh, models of, of support and, and service development, including integration of mental health into, into primary health care. And of course, digitalization is another uh, important area where, uh, again, the, the opportunities have suddenly uh, expanded um, in the last few months alone um, in terms of what can be actually delivered through uh, digital uh, digital platforms. So these these are some of the areas um, that um, that uh, we've been working on um, in in the recent uh, in the recent uh, last couple of years. You mentioned a little bit about primary healthcare centres providing this mental health support. So. What kind of services could I expect if I were to, to go to one of these centres? So yeah, a good example would be what we call common uh, mental health conditions, which would be uh, disorder like anxiety um, and depression. So um, there's a big problem um, in sometimes identifying um, people who have, for example, depression. Um, they may not even want to come to services in the first place. They may just want to stay, stay, um, stay at home uh, or in bed or whatever. Um, so the, um, the the skills that are needed to recognise and identify symptoms of depression um, are, um, you know, this is what we we are trying to build up. Um, so because actually. Um, a lot of the time primary health care workers are actually seeing people with depression but they don't know that <laughs> um, so they've been missed essentially and maybe diagnosed with other other problems sleep problems or back problems or somatic kind of manifestation of underlying mental health problems so um, 
this is where we're where we're trying to focus the the efforts uh, also another example would be uh, children and adolescents um, and being able to identify you know uh, for example um, ideation about harming themselves um, or, or or helping um, identify kids who might have um, uh, some uh, hyperactivity or, 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 con or conduct disorder, um, these kind of uh, concerns, as well as developmental problems in childhood as well, which again often get uh, poorly detected. Um, so we, we see a huge opportunity to improve service access and coverage um, through the primary healthcare system. Kind of looking ahead, what, what is the new approach and, and how will that contribute to, to the European programme of work? Mental health has been identified as one of four uh, flagship initiatives um, that's embedded within the European programme um, of work. And this, uh, this new initiative, it's, um, well, it's seeking to transform the, the attitudes about mental health, um, put into action some long-awaited mental health uh, service reforms as well as accelerate universal uh, uh, universal uh, health coverage for people with mental health uh, conditions and um, so these, these are, this is the kind of overall um, objective and aim of this flagship initiative and we've got a number of components which we uh, are, are proposing to enable those uh, objectives to be to be met uh, this is, it would include a range of, uh, of regional level uh, activities as well as uh, country level um, um, support so some of the, to give some examples, um, first and foremost, we need a, an overarching kind of framework and plan so that we can be more uh, focused on key priorities and needs um, and agree and have a consensus about that. And then we can focus our implementation efforts on that and monitoring efforts on that. So that's one component. Um, a second vital component, which is the kind of name given to this flagship is uh, around establishing a stronger kind of coalition of partners uh, and leaders in the area of mental health across the region. Uh, so that's not only the member states, but also non-governmental organisations, and most importantly, uh, service users and family organisations. So when I talk about, for example, leaders, you know, leaders can be uh, leaders of policy, leaders of advocacy, leaders of research, leaders of uh, um, uh, advocacy or, or um, empowerment. So um, this is another another area, and a couple of other uh, things that we particularly see as um, uh, needed at a, a regional level would be mental health literacy. Uh, so we want to develop some initiatives on uh, addressing stigma and discrimination, as well as more positively uh, the the benefits, you know, the value of uh, of mental health. Um, also building up leadership capacities um, uh, in and across countries. So these are some of the areas, um, but ultimately um, we, we want to see the, the impacts uh, at, at country level. Uh, we already work with a large number of countries, um, but we're looking to intensify our support to, uh, to several of those countries um, in the areas that we already are working in. It could be suicide prevention, uh, child and adolescent mental health, um, also at the other end of the spectrum, uh, mental health amongst the uh, elderly and people with cognitive uh, disabilities, including dementia, um, and the ongoing uh, business of, of, of deinstitutionalization and promoting community-based uh, service support. So th these are some of the, the plans that we have for the next, uh, next few years. 
WHO Europe recently worked with partners in more than 20 countries to compile a report on the effect of COVID-19 lockdowns on mental health facilities. The report was published in early August alongside a film telling the stories of patients and healthcare workers. This explores some of the fears and difficulties faced by patients and staff, but also some of the techniques used to cope throughout the crisis. The film is available on WHO Europe's YouTube channel. So um, can you give us any examples of some, some recent activities or achievements? Yes, yeah, so uh, I, I think uh, I can think of th three three good examples. Uh, first of all, um, in the area of um, deinstitutionalization and improving standards of care. So this has been a particular area uh, of work over the last um, three years, um, and this has involved assessing and trying to improve standards of care and human rights protection um, in long-term institutions. Uh, so we've did a big multi-country assessment study a couple of years ago and on the back of that we've been supporting um, several countries around the region particularly in Central and Eastern Europe um, and Southeast uh, Europe on um, building up their capacity in the area of mental health and human rights um, with a particular focus on trying to uh, reduce the use of um, restrictive practices and constraint uh, restraints in, in, in these settings. Um, a second important area um, has been in Central Asia and also in Ukraine where we've had uh, new, uh, new opportunities to um, support the, uh, the government's policies and plans in this area, specifically through integrating mental health into primary care. So we have a, a sort of WHO flagship uh, program called MHGAP, which we've been able to roll out for the first time uh, in a number of Central Asian countries through uh, capacity building and, yeah, and training and leadership uh, activities so that, we're be so that um, primary healthcare providers are better equipped and enabled to identify and manage um, mental health conditions uh, at, at that uh, level of the health system. Uh, and a third one would be more recently, I suppose, in the area of uh, mental health and psychosocial support, um, in particularly in the in in the context of of COVID nineteen. So. Um, developing uh, in, in collaboration with, with our colleagues in HQ and other, other uh, international partners um, the, the evidence-based practices and, and um, considerations that countries uh, can and need to make when it comes to the mental health and psychosocial support needs of the, the affected populations um, with a particular focus on some of these uh, vulnerable groups, uh, frontline uh, workers, um, residents of, um, in, in, of, of long-term care um, institutions um, and the elderly, um, among, among others. Here's what else has been going on around the WHO European region. Good morning and welcome after a very busy summer. The European region has registered 3.9 million cases corresponding to 17% of the global total that is approaching 22 million cases. During the first virtual press briefing after the summer, WHO's Regional Director for Europe, Dr Hans Kluger, highlighted that the risk of a resurgence of COVID-19 is never far away, but added that we now know more about how to target the virus effectively. You can watch the full press briefing on our Twitter, Facebook and YouTube channels. 
This week marks the inaugural meeting of the Pan-European Commission on Health and Sustainable Development, which will rethink policy priorities in the light of pandemics, eventually recommending investments and reforms to improve the resilience of health and social care systems. Chaired by former Italian Prime Minister and European Commissioner Professor Mario Monti, the Commission is made up of a number of former heads of state, as well as experts and leaders from a diverse range of fields including health, social care, finance, economics and business. And finally, last week on World Humanitarian Day, WHO Europe, along with many others, celebrated the role of real-life heroes in the humanitarian sector who have continued their vital work amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Held virtually from 14th to 15th September, follow on social media through the hashtag RC70Europe. This episode was produced by David Barrett. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.